world to the loud burn, the number one info source for counterculture business and entertainment on the interwebs and airways for bipolar folks. We are your hosts from the Empire State, Brooklyn's finest, Vic the Ix. Call them truth. And coming to you from Southern Sunny California, <laughs> you already know the man is solo, but I'm actually so hot. <laughs> you you already know, bro. <laughs> the fucking vibes, bro. <laughs> the cloud is um, burning. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I think all of us are kind of are kind of well seasoned at the moment. I'm I'm halfway past that, and I just just was telling the gents on the on the show. I ended up chiefing some blue guava gelato and. Whereas I, I can't feel my my face anymore. <laughs> it's not. It's just not happening. Like, um, and you know, honestly, as I was like kind of floating through the ether about fifteen minutes ago, long before we got on mic, I I was like, you know, it's a shame that these devils are out here trying to put caps on the magic that is marijuana like mary jane like how dare you <laughs> why would you take this feeling away from people you savages <laughs> like for real as i continue to like go down that that line of thinking i realize like honestly they're never gonna legalize this shit until they stop being afraid of it and that's never gonna happen until you know people are more educated about it and that's not gonna happen until people think that it's normal and then I stopped thinking about that because I saw something shining in the corner. And then we got on the mic. And so here we are now. But, but like, in all honesty, though, I, I, I am at a, at a point where I really feel like we could devote a whole episode on it. And so that's exactly what the fuck we did. <laughs> I'm proud of us. <laughs> No, some real shit though. I think um, one of the things that you mentioned that's super important is like how we've come to this place where weed is becoming legalized and like what that's doing to uh, people's perceptions and misconceptions of the plant, right? And it's it's interesting to see like the various articles that are literally coming out every day, highlighting like different perspectives on cannabis, different use cases, you know, different applications, whether it's in the business sector, we talk a lot about like the social equity components, but it's like becoming a key driver in politics, business, um, recreation and entertainment. So it's just interesting to see like how it's gonna get normalized, like how people are gonna start to have those conversations amongst themselves, with their kids, with their parents, with their employers. It's wild, it's really wild to think about. You know, and it's interesting, actually, when you when you seeing these uh, national corporations, especially kind of having to do this, uh, this weird ass shuffle, you know, between being in a red state and acting like, you know, they're not completely for legalization, but then being in a blue state, especially like in a municipality like New York City, where like, we don't even allow drug testing <laughs> for cannabis to be emitted. Like, you legally cannot do. They might catch you on the back end, though. So, like, be aware that y'all out here listening to us. We're not trying to get y'all caught up. But 
There's no one in the city of New York who's legally allowed to drug test you if they're a private employer and your job doesn't involve like firearms or vehicles or like saving people's lives. You know, so it's kind of like at that point, <laughs> y'all really just need to stop the cognitive dissonance and just just be good. Like that that's my my take at it at this point. I'm not I'm not even out here trying to make it seem like the folks who are against legalization for whatever reason they are, are thinking straight. I know that that's a somewhat arrogant take, but I own that. And I still say to them, boo on you. <laughs> like, yo, what the fuck are we doing? It's 2021 and we're really acting like marijuana is still a schedule one drug. It's insane to me. It's insane. And that's like the perfect lead into uh, today's breakdown. So we got a couple of interesting articles to talk about. So one is from The Conversation, which is talking about cannabis education in Canada. And the real focus there is they're, they're claiming that Canada is aiming to normalize and not prevent uh, cannabis use in the way they, they launch like public education campaigns. So if you think back to the old, you know, reefer madness and kind of the scare tactics that the US used around cannabis, when it was illegal um, and when it was really starting to be enforced, like in the early 70s, you know, late 60s, um, when you really look at that and you look at how Canada is trying to reshape that, it, it leads a good example for at least what the future of, of legalization could look like in terms of how we educate folks, especially how we start to have those conversations with kids, you know. But I think the one thing that was missing from this is like really the recognition of like the historical context for how the US went about the criminalization of cannabis, you know? So I feel like whatever we decide to do from a public education standpoint has to really start from like reconciling that and then hopefully, you know, find some ways to promote entrepreneurship as much as normalize the use, right? I feel like those are like the two things that I like to see go hand to hand with that. But overall, it's a really interesting article. For people like us to really like grow weed and create programs like that, I can't even vision that. Like that just sounds like some fantasy, and I don't know. I, I still, in a sense, I gotta see it to believe it, bro. But, but that's how it should be, dog. That's how it should be. Especially like you think about New York, all the community gardens and shit. Like in New York, for those who don't know, there's a community garden at least every like five to ten blocks. Yeah, people just being able to learn how to grow and cultivate cannabis in their community garden, have a little plot. Imagine how people would start to tend and care for the community, too, if they're really reaping from it. A lot of that mobilization can end up happening in, like, hyper-local pockets. But to get that more general wave of folks, like, really pouring into it, we need to start filtering that into the education system with kids, you know, and thereby the parents, the families that would be connected to those kids are going to be spending most of their time, you know, which kind of really makes me wonder like what's going to end up happening when you actually see them try to really reconcile with our past because you see biden taking steps towards them i don't trust the man but but it's interesting this idea of like actually instituting critical race theory you know for real into like the education system at, at like the high school and middle school level for me i think of reparations mm -hmm. Like, you know, like in this talk of like reconciliation, you think this is a step in that direction. 
potentially? Well, when it ends up coming down to it, you can't have reconciliation without having understanding. And there are lots of people, even black folk, you know, who don't understand why reparations are even a thing that's needed, you know? And it, it's unfortunate because it's kind of like, <laughs> if you only understood the scale to which even the ones who I've worked on my life and I got it and you know, I'm okay. How far behind you are someone who's comparatively even behind you in terms of like credentialing and actual effort it took to get to where you are right now. Like some of the motherfuckers who, excuse the phrase, but some of the people who are above you, you know, honestly, didn't have to work nearly as hard and they have like not even like oh half as much as you you know half more than you do they normally have like sometimes two to three times more in pay and even if you get to their position they'll still have more than you comparatively they're way ahead and because of the biases in hiring the biases that are present in promotion the biases that are present in terms of who gets like mortgages loans even the opportunity to buy into certain neighborhoods at certain rates, you know, black folk, brown folk, anybody who's really not considered to be white or perceived to be white is like really way further behind than they realize economically, you know? And it's really unfortunate because like when we need the free dollars the most, the free, we work for that shit, you know, <laughs> like at the end of the day. Overtime. Right, overtime. It like we work for it. Those dollars are most needed to be reinvested into us because we need resources more than anything. Like the black community in America, the 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 Latin America, the Latin American uh, community, the indigenous community. We've all been one, raped for everything that we've had, and then after that, perpetually under resourced. Hold on, hold and on. Then, I have to be gaslit into the idea that we have more than what we actually do. So I want to add one thing, and then I want to ask a question, right? Because I think that this is going to be this is going to be worth us talking about. So one thing that I want to add, just for people out here who think reparations is like such a radical thing, is that the U.S. already has a history of reparations. It's given reparations to all different people at all different points of times throughout history. You can look it up. In fact, it's given reparations to damn near everybody but black people. That's it's almost like, you know, you get reparations. You get reparations. Like Oprah, like Oprah, He's but niggas. Black people just sit here like, yo, what's up? Whenever we ask for it, it's like, yo, these niggas must be crazy. Talk about some reparations. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Buford, did you hear that, Lucius? <laughs> social media, we'll share some shit. We'll share some shit for y'all, but you should definitely do your own research on that. But so my question was, is, you know, if reparations do become a thing, right, who gets them, you know? Is it just for the descendants of slaves? Is it just for Black people? Do you got to prove... I get the bag. I don't of, care. I don't care. You Everybody gotta prove the some, some type of economic hardship. If, if Is you it a little black, black, you get the bag. You, you know, there's a thing that they often end up saying in academic circles that no one likes mm -hmm. philosophers, you know? <laughs> and I feel like, like I, I was... I feel like my undergrad was in international studies, so I can only look at this from a political standpoint when you say that. And I might make some people upset, but you know what? Fuck them. I think it's only if you ended up having the blood being like spilled over here, you get it. But then 
It's really not that simple. That's my gut feeling. And you also have to like think, hmm, plenty of people who have like come to this country expecting like gold, rainbow, sunshine, and like free money ended up getting shafted for decades, <laughs> decades. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that they should probably get a little like whatever, whatever. You know, you've been evil <laughs> to just people who aren't white. <laughs> like, nah, playboy, you got to go ahead and spread the money bucket around. <laughs> Oh, like you might have said that shit around like the church tithe bowl. Hey, <laughs> working in reverse. Like, every everybody take everybody take a stat. Like it just said that shit around for a few years. <laughs> like Fair. Fair. I think I think the church tithe bowl is is fucking the perfect visualization of how this yeah. shit should work, bro. It should really just be that open source, like because honestly, like racism is real, hundred <laughs> percent. Institutional racism, even more real. Like, as a matter of fact, maybe that's how reparations should be done. Because like institutional racism, nothing would give us better than being able to just like, you know what? Fuck reparations. You just give everybody who's like not white a bowl, and, <laughs> <laughs> and they want to go anywhere and ask any white person, like, "Yo, cash, <laughs> put it in the put it in the bowl." When I come into work. I want you to put cash in the bowl. Put cash in the bowl before you talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a reverend taking up a special collection. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) That shit perfect. Because, like, yo, racism is real. Institutional racism is real. And so is American fucking imperialism, yo. American (laughs) imperialism is real. So, like, I definitely agree that, you know, our our indigenous brothers and sisters and, and definitely the rest of the POC community, like, you know, deserve some cut as well. You know, I don't I don't know how they're gonna divvy it up. You know, that's that's not for me to decide. You know, there are way wiser economists out here to figure out the percentages and shit. But you know, I just know that I want a collection plate that I could roll around with, you know, for just whenever whenever white people is just looking at me wrong. I'm just like <laughs> drop something in here. Man. Like, you know, we, we'll take the kind that jingles, but we prefer the kind that folds, you know. Like, yeah. don't even look at me no type of way. Put some Bitcoin in that shit. <laughs> Max, yo. Yo, True, how you feel about it, man? What, what would it look like and who would get it? My sentiments is our people came over here um, and built this country, literally. And we owe. We are owed this. I'm here for mine. And so anybody who look like me, yeah, they owe that too. That's a fact. There is no price, no fucking price that's enough to amount to what we've been through. So None. these niggas better keep that shit blank for your boy. But, like, I, like I said, you put the money in my hand or in my bowl. Right. Yeah. No paperwork either. Don't don't make it a bunch of forms. No fucking PPP long shit. Right. Yeah. Nah, I, I don't even see it. To be real, like I say this, but like I don't even even visualize that shit as even being possible. This shit is crazy. Yeah. Uh, I, I do feel like we got to be able to make that money on our own in our community, though. Yeah, and I feel like I think one of the more tangible ways that we could start to see it is, like, through education. You know, like, we definitely want to see those investments, you know, whether it's through cannabis education or any type of education. So, like, just speaking of normalization, you know, another article is uh, from Syracuse. You know, it's actually a press release from Syracuse talking about how they're launching a cannabis education program. 
So shout to Syracuse. You know, I know a few a few homies, a few alum from there. You know, shout to Carmelo Anthony. Uh, you know, we got a we got a rep for New York, but uh, the Knicks doing a thing though too. I gotta say that. Cooking <laughs> a little bit, man. You can say that more. Oh, we can say that here. We can say that here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of dope to see the education, the education being a component here too. You know. You know, um, as far as that goes, I even know that HBCUs are taking those steps too. You know, and I think that's desperately needed in the BIPOC community, you know, Black, Indigenous, person of color community. It's just to have schools that are meant to serve us actually doing so. Because the Morehouse School of Medicine down in Atlanta, and I think it's uh, truly Georgia Incorporated, they, um, I saw this article, it was a couple, I think it was actually like April and March, but they announced that they're having a partnership in cannabis research and education. And that's major, you know, when you end up really thinking about it, especially because one, this is happening in Atlanta, Georgia, of all places, you know, so when you see how necessarily national efforts have started to like make institutions bold, where normally they would have been very, very, very meek. I promise you the drug enforcement environment in, in Fulton County is not that liberal, even though Atlanta is liberal as shit, you know, so like, um, Education is definitely um, it's definitely ending you know, up being something that that is absolutely pushing forward the the normalization that we need to see widespread legalization and being able to come out of school saying you graduated with like a four year degree in this from like an institution that's like known on a on an international level that's going to carry huge weight especially as we start to see more states legalized. You know, as more and more states legalized, you being able to have a career in cannabis is becoming even more viable. It's like, and that's that's kind of really like one of the keys to this episode is like, what's the tie in between normalization and legalization? You know, it's like almost like a chicken and the egg type situation because cannabis has become more normalized. Like I would say like over the past like 30 years, you know, even thinking back from just like the way it was able to be just like unapologetically portrayed on TV to like now we see states starting to to, uh, to legalize it. So another article that we wanted to talk about is actually several. Um, so some of the things that we saw recently are just states like Alabama, Texas, uh, Kansas, and others looking at legalization for medical use as well as for recreational use in some cases in some cases. So it's just interesting to see this juxtaposition. Even with that, I, always, I also find it really curious, though, because while you have these states uh, absolutely concerned, like legalizing, you have other states that are moving in the opposite direction, actually trying to restrict. Because I know, like in Wisconsin, um, the governor's marijuana legalization proposal ended up being stripped from the budget <laughs> by the GOP-led uh, committee that was overseeing it. You know, and it's kind of like um, at the end of the day, we're still seeing this conflict where unless, I, I guess, in, unless lawmakers are made to be pressured to have to legalize, they'll refuse to do so 100% wholesale, you know. And that's a very unfortunate state of affairs. I wonder how we can manage to actually overcome it. Yeah, it makes you wonder, like, where the decision to legalize 
is really being catalyzed? Is it from the economic benefit or the potential economic benefit, or is it from the political benefit? Right? You know, and how, it's how much? It's the synthesis of the two. Yeah, I, I wonder though. Yeah, what, but what do you think it is though? Like, I mean, when you, is it not so black and white? Like it gotta be gray, like, you know, but. For sure. I don't know. For sure. And we well, when we end up thinking of the GOP, like these guys have not necessarily cared about, you know, populist, uh, 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 what, what would actually make a populist happy? You know, they don't care about populism in the classical sense, even though they champion it all the damn time. You know, what motivates them is cold, hard cash and racism, <laughs> you know. And I think if there's anything that will get them up and at the end of the day is, oh, and power. And I think right now, if they legalize it, it will be in the interest of just keeping their asses in some t- semblance of power in these red states. A bone that they can throw around when they need an, an easy out. Kind of like what Cuomo did, actually, in New York. Cuomo! <laughs> when they found out that he was out here being a sleazebag out in, in every corner in the Hamptons in Albany. You know, he's like, just legalize it. Man, could have done that shit for years. Man, fuck Cuomo. Fix the MTA. Yo, fuck Cuomo, yo. Cuomo. <laughs> when I come back to New York, all I know is them trains better run smooth, man. It's 24-7 again, goddammit. It better be. <laughs> you know what? Honestly, it though. better be on every car, too. Not playing every right other now, car shit. Cuomo would actually be smart enough, though, to use this additional time to use this as like a chip. So when he thinks that the chips are down, be like, oh, yeah, but by the way, why you over here harassing me about things that didn't happen? I fixed the fucking subway. Let's That's what they should have been doing. While they would have reduced service during COVID, they better have fixed the subways, bro. One would hope that would be a ride. I want to ride the train. Pause. But like, you know, I want to ride the goddamn train now. That makes too much sense. (laughs) It's like, yo, seriously, after a certain point in March, if you were still on the train after the lockdown went, when, you know, went into effect, you normally would not like your average New Yorker. And that's saying something because there really is no average New Yorker. So you had to be really far out there to kind of like being outlier. So like there were weird parties. I remember seeing a, a photo with a guy in a, what was it? Yeah, moose antlers on and a diaper. And he was doing like dancing all throughout like the train. And I'm just like, yo, I'm so glad that I haven't been underground since like last year, y'all. And uh, honestly, I've never felt healthier. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to take a lot for me to start getting back on that train, man. I know I'm going to have to, but I'm not looking forward to it. Hey, God damn it. That shit. That shit free. Mm. Yeah, fam. I'm looking forward to coming back to New York and riding the subway. Real shit. Yo, we we may complain about that shit, but that shit is really like historical. That shit is iconic, bro. Right, for sure. The subway. Yeah. Yo, that shit is like real entertainment, bro. Like when we look back at this, this is gonna be crazy to talk like, about. Bro. When people come from out of town, they see yeah. the whole shit, and also the fact that you could get damn near anywhere just on the subway, and that shit hella cheap. Like, it's like, come on, it's it's kind of an engineering feat for any city. 
No, nah, it is. I will say you have a really good one too, but like not many cities do. That shit is dirty, bro. That shit is dirty and nasty as you go through it, but this shit has also got some perks. Right. You know, I feel like that's enough from the MCA. Just, you know, like I said, keep that shit running. ACN. And also fuck Cuomo, yo. I mean, that from the bottom of my raising heart. Yeah. <laughs> shout out to LeVar Ball, actually. Fucking random shout out. But shout out to Why? 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 I got to hear that. <laughs> Not what I got it with, though. <laughs> Damn. Homie was talking cash shit uh, to fucking to Cuomo brother. <laughs> <laughs> on uh, on the news interview because he was trying to talk shit about his sons and I look at homie two sons bruh homie two sons killing it in the NBA and this nigga was like you know he never did shit but came for his sons and I'm like yo shout to this nigga mm-hmm. I fuck with that too words shout out bro shout out <laughs> like like Chrome like Google like the Google Google Chrome I think we just got to normalize black fathers just speaking out, you know, on behalf of their kids and being out here. Like, the fuck? K for your kids, homie. You know? And speaking of shit we need to normalize, we got to normalize cannabis, right? We got to normalize cannabis use. We got to normalize cannabis culture. You know, that's the whole purpose of this episode. So it's time for us, you know, we finished breaking it down. It's time for us to roll it up. Let's roll it up. We got a really interesting burn for y'all today. The need for us to normalize cannabis. You know, we're going to be talking about our own experiences with that shit. What is what we envision, you know, different conversations being like, you know, how do you navigate talking about cannabis with your employer? You know, how do you navigate that shit, talking about it with your family? You know, how do you just navigate cannabis being normalized in our society? And just like, where do we see this shit going from here? Legislators will not normal. They will not absolutely legalize anything at the federal level until society has gotten a lot more comfy with marijuana. And right now, the majority of Americans, I believe um, we ended up covering a a Pew Center report that said about nine, 10 Americans support some form of legalization, you know, um, even with that the case, I think we're, we're going to still need to see a little bit more than that before a lot of these, um, you know, holdovers will actually commit to what needs to be done. And even then, I think it's really going to come down to the executive. I think he's going to be the, the one to have to pull the final trigger on this one. I think this is a Biden problem, to be honest with y'all. Do you think that there's a like a state quota that he's looking at like you know maybe when we get like 30 30 only 30 percent of the states opting out he's just gonna be like all right well fuck it we're legalizing national you know what i mean or is it just gonna be really just he's just gonna be taking the temperature of it the entire time and maybe it's something he does like leading up to his second term if it seems like it's going to be challenged, like it's going to be like that ace card that he can pull if he really needs to rally people, you know, but I, I think it's really interesting to think about. I'm curious, you know, politically, like how how it becomes this tool now that we see is something that people care about. But I think in terms of normalization, like the political side is one thing and I guess the social side is another. So my question to you all is like, what do you think socially needs to happen for we to become normalized enough where it can become legalized nationally. Damn, man. 
Um, I always say that. Good question, bro. Yeah. Because if you think about it, right, like think about who votes. For the most part, older white well, men vote, older black women vote, you know, and now we're starting to see younger people come out to vote in different numbers, you know, but we've also had historical elections, historic elections. So we'll see if that trend continues or if it kind of tapers off, you know, depending on the how exciting people see these candidates to be or how important they see the election to be, you know, but I think just knowing what we know about those demographics, how are we going to win over the aunties and the grandmas and the grandfather's views of, of we, you know? I mean, like, in order to really make this all work, destigmatization has to be a central part of any effort to normalize, you know? And it will feature a really big role in just general acceptance of the substance, just even if it gets legalized, you know, we still see kind of like this lingering cloud, all puns intended, over the issue of marijuana, whether or not it should be imbibed, who should be able to use it, what it says about those people as both employees, family members and partners, all types of different stuff is implied when someone finds out, when the system finds out that you partake, you know? And I think it's like removing those negative connotations will have to be one of the major things that any education effort has to do to kind of like fight back against, you know, these perceived notions of what a cannabis user is, who a cannabis user is, what they do, what they get up to, especially because a lot of those um, perceptions were engineered by very racist people in the first place, you know, like, like Henry Anslinger, <laughs> like, you know, like, fuck it, like Reagan. Yeah, I said it. So, like LBJ, you know, these these are people who are at the helm of, of the national government, and they absolutely had no problems fucking over black people. And let's stop acting like it was that long ago, too. You know, like, <laughs> these guys are not ancient history. It's like maybe, what, 30, 40 years ago now at this point? Excellent. Some of them, so... And that shit, that shit definitely influenced my perception of weed and cannabis use. Because, like, growing up, I was the dare kid. You know, I was like, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to smoke. And even as an adult, like, once I did start to use, like, it's been something that I've, I've always kept super private, never really consumed it, you know, outside of, like, safe spaces with, like, real trusted friends and shit like that. It's definitely been more of, like, a part of my, like, self-care and just like, you know, self-medication type type shit. It's never really been like, yo, I'm just out here just running around smoking blunts, you know? And like, even like in my household, like my mom doesn't smoke, my dad smoked, but I didn't know that shit until I was an adult. And uh, my two aunts, my mom's two sisters smoke, which is, which is always funny to me. So I think like, I never had like so much of a negative connotation with it. I just kind of felt like, oh, it was unhealthy. But then as I started to learn more about like the uses and the effects of it, I was like, it was actually not unhealthy. I've just kind of been taught a lot of misinformation and like the, the examples of users that I had in my life or that media portrayed didn't really resonate with me. You feel me? So that was kind of like a big reason, you know, in us trying to use this podcast as a platform to really reshape the narrative and like the picture of who's a cannabis user, right? Is that you really don't have to fit into that stereotype because what we see now, especially now that it's becoming more normalized is a lot of people use cannabis. A lot of people, it runs the full range. 
And it's like, you know, even still, even knowing that like Obama smoked cannabis, my grandma still don't fuck with it. You know what I mean? But at least she's not like, all right, if you smoke cannabis, you you ain't gonna be shit and you're going to hell. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like at least to see that movement is some progress here. You was talking about like, basically when you started to learn about like weed and whatnot and how that really started to like shape, really how you shaped how you, you viewed it, your perception of it. And so I think to answer your question, I think that's where it starts, bro. Really with education, like really, I think people have been miseducated and that's also the thing that I feel like is mad difficult is to unlearn and relearn. And a lot of people don't want to get out of old habits to learn new ways. People are stuck in ways and that's a, a journey. But at the same time, um, I feel like that's where it starts is educating people. But it first, well, we have been educating people, you know, that's what the culture does all the time, you know, whether you want it or not. And so that's what's been going on and been pushing conversations forward. And now we're here. And so now people are forced to look at it a little bit more than they was before. Um, yeah, now what are we about to do? I mean, I, I think like you're, you're right. You know, the truth, it, it's about education. It does start there, but I feel in order for education to fully like realize this effect, it has to be supported with those other pillars that, that, that Juan was mentioning, you know, about the destigmatization efforts and, you know, moving aunties and hearts and minds, basically, you know, through basically more and more folk just using the product, <laughs> you know. I, I also think that if we end up, um, we can end up helping along the education piece if the medical community more loudly touted what the benefits are as they're using it. And I think that, you know, they're playing it cautious as they should because science is a thing, you know. Um, but at the same time, I feel like, you know, insurance providers could also be a little bit more forthcoming about their support about cannabis, you know? And I think that once you start seeing both medicine and science, like be deregulated towards the research of cannabis, because remember it still is a schedule one, even now, you know, which means most places cannot and will not actually like research weed in any way. And until you start to see those two camps, you know, the medical institution and the science, you know, the scientific research community actually like get into the nitty gritty details of marijuana on, um, you know, on a national level, you're not going to see education be fully realized because a lot of the literature that should be there just comes up missing. And so like what we have right now is a trickle of research and a shit ton of anecdotal evidence that points to the fact that this thing is fucking awesome. <laughs> you know, that cannabis is the miracle drug that a lot of us needed and wanted all our damn lives that doesn't get you addicted like heroin. But, but yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's interesting to think about it from that lens. And like, what I, what, what I have to admit for a second is like, I had the opposite of like a daydream, which was like, you know, a day nightmare which is like big pharma being involved in like cannabis and like, because it's so amazing, them just like, yo, start writing more, cons more prescriptions 
Start <laughs> describing people. Can that's so confusing. That's it's like complete mind fuck, yeah. It's a complete mind fuck to even explore. Yeah. But it's like yeah. it makes me think too. How do you have these conversations with your with your kid where you're just like, yo, that's just daddy medicine? Like, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I, I got a question for y'all. It's a little bit off the beaten path. So, you know, warning, this might be a tangent. But um, do you think that we realized uh, Nas's lines and if I rule the world? <laughs> Where he's like, you know, he can walk down the street. No harass, smoking weed, no cops, not harassing. Like, have, have we gotten there? Are we there yet? At least in the state in which you live. You, you're, you're here in the city with me, true, but how, how you feel? You're in Cali, for fuck's sake. So not, you do that? Cali, I do not feel like that, yo. I felt more like that in New York, but I've also been arrested for smoking on the street in New York, so. <laughs> Both of those oh. things go hand in hand. In Cali, I feel like smoking on the street, though, I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb. Versus in New York, I feel like I'm just I'm just nobody. That's Yo. what I love about New York is you're just somebody on the street in a city of fucking damn near 10 million people. You know what I mean? But LA, you a nigga in a city with like only like less than a million niggas. I live in fucking K Town, bro. They're gonna lock my black ass up so oh, quick. Those yeah. <laughs> six foot. Fucking one black nigga smoking a blunt. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Here, here's another tangent. And then we can try to claw our way back to the main line, yo. If, even after we get federally legalized, right, where are some places that you're just not going to smoke, even if you're allowed? <laughs> That's actually For me, good. it's any sundown town south of the Mason Dixon. <laughs> I like that's a hard fucking. No- <laughs> uh, it's funny you say that because I'm. A, I talk to people like who who live like all types of wild lives, yo, know, and they found mm-hmm. themselves living in these places. And I always ask them like, yo, why would you ever do that? Like, why would you ever live there? And they're like, oh, I had this job opportunity. Or I had this internship. Oh, you know, blah blah blah. blah. And I'm just like. Yeah, me too. I've had a lot of job opportunities, a lot of internships, a lot of great experiences, and I never had to go to the fucking middle of nowhere to do that shit. More power to you. I just wouldn't do it. So I never even think of those places because I'm like, they're not even, that's not even a reality for me, dog. Like, I'm not going to Kentucky. Yeah. No shade on to Kentucky, though. No. No. I'm good. Way Indiana, maybe, but do I really need to go to Indiana? You know, can I just go to like I'm about to forget Kentucky in a few minutes? <laughs> God damn it, yo, who thinks of Kentucky? Sorry, y'all. Yo, so like I actually have a boy who has a solid answer for, for that type of scenario, you know, like why the fuck are you there? And he broke it down to me. Why he was born there. So I was like, all right, that doesn't count, right? But he's like, but two, I have a fan, you know, I have a family to raise, you know, I have a wife to support. And bro, and then he looked me straight in the eye holes. I was on the phone with him, but I knew he looked straight in the eye holes because I could feel the heat coming out the speaker. Homie was like, and I managed to rent an entire fucking house for only 300 a month. I tell you, my heart stopped. 
<laughs> like, like literally, my insurance premium went up. They kept me in the hospital for a couple of days because, like, yo, that was unseemly, and I died. I died a little bit when I ended up hearing that because he said a whole house, and at that time, he didn't know it. I didn't want to tell him this because it would give him too much joy knowing that he got me cold. I was looking at a Trulia um, ad for what I thought was a good priced apartment in Brooklyn, 800 square feet. $1,600 on God. <laughs> on God. <laughs> I was like, $1,600. That's not so bad. <laughs> not, bro. That's what it's so, like living in the, so, in the coastal cities, yo. I but mean, now, he, oh, oh, and he also had land attached too. Yeah, With man. the option to buy that shit outright after like five years or so. No, nah, that's definitely, it's definitely some perks. But I'm also like, there's places like Georgia, Texas, mm. you know, Tennessee, you know, places where like people be at. <laughs> <laughs> also, no shape. <laughs> no you know what I'm saying? Like, I need to be with my people, yo. That's one thing about me. I'm gonna be with my people. You know, I can't wait until uh, the podcast to actually get some wings and we start visiting. Oh yeah, audience, we coming out to visit y'all. And I know that there's a, an enclave of folk out there in Seattle. Seattle and Walla Walla, Washington. Walla Walla, Washington. I'm going to let y'all know this. I've heard your name about one time before in my life. And you don't know, you don't want to know what I had to say about your name then. You still don't want to know what I had to say about your name now. But I see the five of you that are out there. And I appreciate you. <laughs> we gotta put we gotta put Amsterdam on the list too, and let us know where the smoking venues at. We do the live show in Amsterdam, blow it down, take the shit international. But yeah, I wanted to ask you, like specifically, truth, like how do you plan on like normalizing it? You know, just as you're trying to raise kids, like you mm. know, has your kids ever caught you like smoking, or like how do you address that whole situation, or how do you plan to? Like for me, I'm very, I'm very like aware of it. They're aware for sure, truthfully. It's hard to have that conversation with them, you know, because you want to preserve their innocence too. You know, you raising kids in New York, bro. That's a hard thing to do. I know, bro. Every time you walk out the door, it's like, damn. I mean, can I ask, um, what makes it difficult for you? You know, like if they were to 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 say roll up on you one day after school and say, "Hey, Dad, what's cannabis?" Yeah, I'm gonna have to explain to them. (laughs) you don't even know what i'm like what i'm looking at is like mm. i'm looking at this man looking at the faces of little angels fam i feel you what how are you gonna how are you gonna even approach that shit <laughs> i had to go through a similar shit because i've been trying to have like you know the sex talks but with my sister you know because she's 12 We've already talked about this shit, you know? So I'm like, yo, take this as a chance to practice because <laughs> you know it's coming. No, no, but, but on real talk, 
it's not like it's this crazy thing. It just again, this perception that people give it. But right. I don't, I don't necessarily carry that. Like again, like I've been in households of of many where people smoke with in front of their children. That shit is regular. It's again the perception or or around, you know. But my whole thing is just um, they know what's up. They know the vibes for sure. I was listening to this. Um to this uh, other podcast and the shorty was talking about like how she used cannabis like all throughout like her pregnancy and shit. Cause it was like mm-hmm. the only thing that like stopped her from feeling sick and like the baby was completely healthy. And it just, it, it goes to show like, you know, the point you was making earlier Vic, just about like, we don't have enough medical information to actually know what's okay and what's not okay. So people are for the most part, just perpetuating stereotypes or their own anecdotal experiences. So that's why normalizing it becomes so important and people actually not being afraid to talk about, yo, I actually did use cannabis while I was pregnant and the baby came out fine. And because I'm in a state where it's legal, you know, there was like no repercussions. And now other women may be like, hmm, maybe that's something now I could try when I'm pregnant. And I don't got to feel ashamed about it because I already, I know that there are other examples about it. I can go and read about it, you know? So that's why it's really important for us to like have this space and have these conversations and shit. Cause otherwise the kind of stigma just stays there, you know? So I get what you're saying. So like, what do you do when you know, let's say your kid in the future, like, college they're in college and they come home you know with the pack like yo dad let's smoke you know at, at that point we it depends on where we're at you know like you don't get that pass just because like i understand you might have friends but i ain't your friend you know i tell you and can i, can I ask you true do you do you have a view a stigmatization of weed yourself i mean like i know that like, you don't demonize it yeah, but would but you it, be it, upset it, if you like found out that let's say your your teenager was out here smoking, even if they weren't the ideal of what you wanted them to be at that stage in their life? Like let's say homie's like twenty, you know what I'm saying? Maybe, and I'm not saying that this is gonna happen, but maybe in this mystical scenario, you know, your son maybe didn't finish college, but he's smoking though. Maybe he's on, you know, kind of like lost in the wilderness, you know, them early 20s, had, you know, doesn't have a job, but he still manages to have money to smoke. Would you be upset? My son would never, but. Can't never say never with kids, man. But I know that that's not how you're going to raise him. But as far as what he chooses, we all hope, and I probably bet you that you're right, he never would. But in this mystical land, this is the know, this is the hand that life has decided to deal you. What would you do? How would you feel? Um, That's uncomfortable, I know. So I mean, like, on some real shit, I can't. I don't have any kids, but like, I feel like I would try to approach the situation with like, you know, some some openness, you know, because like, mm-hmm. you know, being in a situation where like, I remember when I first graduated from school. Well, I first graduated from high school actually. Like, I didn't go straight to college. And I wasn't even smoking like heavy either, but every now and then I definitely would if I could find myself into some tree, like hell yeah, I'ma take this minute to like clear my mind and not be stressed out about what I'ma do next. You know what I'm saying? So like, I definitely understand it for like the, if you already stressed out about some shit, you you smoking occasionally is not gonna fuck you up. But I feel like if that's where you was diverting too much of your attention, like that was, that's where you was going instead of trying to fix shit and figure out where you need to be and what you need to be focused on. That's when I would intervene. 
you know. But again, that's from the nigga who don't have kids. <laughs> yeah. I think okay. that that's um one of the struggles, isn't it? Is that without normalization, like you know, basically a lot of the stigma, widespread stigma being removed, parents won't even necessarily know how to draw the lines in a healthy way, and just going off of feel instead of necessarily fact. I mean, like granted. Parents are also parents. And this is, of course, my opinion. Also, niggas who don't have kids. <laughs> like, you know, so just basically like saying that, yo, I can appreciate the complexity and the hesitation, the conflict, you know, the conflict that, that any parent, especially a, a black father, would have when it comes down to something that could get your kid locked up by any, you know, any law enforcement agency, yet alone the feds. <laughs> like, that's that's scary you know and i can appreciate the caution i really can you know sure. it's um i wish it's i wish it was a more widespread conversation because I, I find it really weird you know that you go into these schools and you know the entire world is shifting in really big ways around them but because of the stigma around drugs narcotics and stuff like that kids are essentially shielded from the reality that these things exist you know, as they should be, like you said, to preserve innocence, right, truth? But then you look at the other end of things, and it's like, yo, when they finally gain access to these things, they go buck ape shit wild, and the parents don't didn't, like, counter against that because they have a misunderstanding about what cannabis is. And that's how we end up, I feel, with, like, burned-out potheads. You know, people end up like getting into this shit real, real early. No one able to tell them like, you "Hey, know what it is, bro? Yo, it's just sometimes you just mind your business. It's just like sometimes people, like especially with kids, there's so many lessons, bro, with kids that you need to instill into them. Mm. But at the same time, especially with that, I just feel like certain things you should also keep. It just depends on the relationship you want to have. Like, you know, it all, it's, it's all very personal and, and individualistic, you know, truthfully. Because in my eyes, I think it's okay to have these conversations and talk about it with your, your kids and, and let them know, especially as we're walking into the future where <laughs> it's happening right in front of them, you know? So... They're smelling it. They're asking questions. And when they're in their chat rooms with their friends, I'm sure they're talking. <laughs> Yo, man. Yeah, I think these kids is dumb. But, uh, <laughs> okay, yeah. Smoking from a nigga who has <laughs> so, like, they, so that's why I hesitate. It's just like, uh, because I'm still like going through it and of like what that conversation looks like. And because, like, I was the kind of person, listen, I was the kind of person who said, yo, Santa Claus ain't real, nigga. Santa Claus ain't real. I was that kind of dude. You boondog dad. <laughs> but at the same time, yeah. as I came to, to learn, I was like, yo, dang, you know, I shouldn't have done that. Should have preserved, like, the innocence around that, you know? But at the same time, it's all based on people's perspective of it as well, too. You know, it's just like how you choose to do it. But I do wish I'd done that. You know? What do you feel that innocence represents? Just 
to be a kid, to be free, creative, to mm. be pure. You know, like that's what kids are, innocent, man. They ain't worried about nothing else but chilling, nigga, fun. Ha <laughs> ha, That's it. They ain't worried about nothing. That's what that's you should preserve that. I think I think to that point, truth, it's like there's this idea around drugs that they fulfill some for the some sort of like void that people are looking to fill. And that's why people seek out drugs. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So like you're trying to protect your kids from even feeling like there's a void that they need to fill by, you know, any type of thing. You feel me? Yeah. So I could, I could understand that shit. I could understand where you're coming from from that perspective. I think that's really interesting, Al. And it's like, it goes back to like a conversation we were having before about like, yo, you're trying to raise, you know, kids that listen, but you're also trying to raise like, you know, adults that could think for themselves, you know? And it's like, you're constantly trying to balance the two. It's like the struggle that like any good parent is having to deal with. Yo, that shit be reckless. <laughs> I know when my dad ended up having uh, the conversation just surrounding cannabis with me, you know, it's when I first found out officially that um that he ever smoked you know and he he more or less it wasn't a long conversation it was just a few sentences and it's just like you know whatever it is that you're going to end up doing just know that it, it, you know you have to make sure that you hold down the fort and you maintain your ability to to protect and provide for yourself and for the family and that was it <laughs> that was the entire conversation you know, he's like, and, and oh, and then he added in and make sure that you're able to do that with integrity. And he turned on heel and left, you know, and, and at the end of the day, uh, um, when you like being open minded about it, you know, Juan, I feel that because he did it, he knew that there are reasons why you do. And I think that anybody who has picked up the joint had the reasons you know it wasn't just like oh it's not just peer pressure although peer pressure can be the reason i think though like um as we're as we're getting the youth uh uh ready to be in a world that has mass mar marijuana they need to be able to more or less pull out those themes you know and i feel that parents should also be able to challenge talent that regardless because like he probably wouldn't actually want me to smoke nowadays you know but at the end of the day so long as i'm taking care of whatever for him it's like uh you do it for your reasons and that's it and that's probably if i did have kids i don't have kids though but if i did that was probably the way that i would end up handling it you know because it was meaningful to me and it didn't it didn't try to stigmatize me didn't try to shame me didn't even necessarily wasn't even out here trying to preserve innocence you know that that could be a little bit scary but it was more like, yo, your decisions are your own. And what you do is what you do. But make sure that these things are taken care of. All right, goodbye. <laughs> you know? Um, I think that was a real ass approach, yo. That was a real ass approach. Ten toes down. That's very similar to how my mom handled it. I already told the story. I went, you know, she called me. She asked me, was I going to smoke? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, man, probably. I ain't smoked for a while afterwards, but, you know, I, I went back to that shit. But, like, the same same exact day my dad found out, and that's when he, he told me that he smoked and that he had gotten arrested in a very similar situation, you know, when he was in high school and how, you know, 
he he more so just put me on to how cops ain't shit. And that was kind of just all the conversation was good for it. This nigga was like, yeah, cops ain't shit. They always gonna try to find a way to jam you up. You know what I'm saying? But it was never on no like, yo, do what you do and do it responsibly. That was definitely my mom's speech. Um, so you know, shout to shout to fathers, yo, dropping dropped in all different types of of lessons. <laughs> Real talk. So like, if there's like, is there anybody in y'all in y'all's family like? And I'm not talking about um, like cousins or like people around your age, but like older family that you smoke with. So like me, I smoke with one of my aunts. I smoke with my mom's sister, like constantly. Anytime I go back home. You know, she'll lace me with some shit. We'll smoke. We'll chop it up. You know, she's mad cool. She like, she normalized that shit for me. She's a hella good pop, uh, mom. Um, she's just like, you know, this is just what I do. But like, I handle my shit. <laughs> you know, her her motto is like, all you could do is do the most. You know, if you do the most and like shit don't work out, you know, you can't be mad at nobody for that. But like, you always got to put in, you know, maximum effort. So like, that's the type of person she is. And she'd be high. You know, so like, shouts to her, bro. But do y'all have anybody in your family like that? I mean, I, I, my family is pretty much a reflection of um, attitudes that you're normally going to find in Caribbean Brooklyn and old as 1950s Black Brooklyn, which is like, these dudes don't really fuck with it, you know? So it's like a little dash of bougie-ness. And when it ends up coming down to it, most of my older relatives, you know, they're Jamaican. So like a lot of people are like, oh, you're Jamaican. That means like your family's super pro-weed. Nah, nah. Most older um, Jamaicans, you know, they're actually extremely anti-weed. Yeah, like, just, I, I mean, kind of like verging on, on, on being a little bit like ze- kind of like zealots about it you know like oh if you smoke you're worthless <laughs> in the eyes of both the family and whatever which is funny because a lot of like every jamaican family has a lot of little open secrets or not so secret secrets of that black sheep who just would be over here like puffing it up and god forbid a homie ever ended up becoming rasta you know grand grand would like disown him and that's exactly what my grandmother kind of low-key did you know she didn't play that joint you know she didn't play the joint when you actually hit up and smoked one so like i don't have any old relatives that are like that nah i got some people i smoke with from time to time Mm. not really like yeah my family we definitely low-key and fucking um what is it it wasn't really a household where people were smoking, you know? So definitely we have that stigma, but I feel like I'm like a black sheep kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny. Like, so, but yeah. I didn't but, grow up in that household either, but just as an adult, people just came out, you know? Like even my great aunt who's like, she was like 90 when she passed, she was still smoking. Mm. My other aunt, my mom's sister, she would bring her shit down to her. <laughs> she would be in a fucking wheelchair, bro, coming out to smoke with us. No, I think no, that's like the thing. People, I'm telling you, man, this whole shit is what we make it. Right. I couldn't believe that shit when I was older. I was like, get the fuck out of here. So all y'all was smoking, huh? Yo, y'all, I remember them stories of them old ass people. I mean, older shit. 
like 110, whatever the case is, and they'll have themselves like a glass of a glass of whiskey every single night. You know what I'm saying? And, and a joint, literally. And they'll outlive like motherfuckers who were born today. <laughs> you know? And so it's like a, a lot of what um a lot of what underpins these conservative views on, on marijuana though kind of even run counter to some of their their you know to some of the, the foundational sources like yo a lot of people like oh you shouldn't be intoxicating yourself you know and they're coming at it from a religious standpoint well you know even in the bible there was wine and we all know that alcohol is more dangerous than marijuana <laughs> so like you know i really just think that at the end of the day it's kind of like getting you know the people in our communities especially our communities to understand that that this is a panacea and it's not poison is going to be the beginning of the the normalization that we need to end up seeing you know i don't know if that connected and if it didn't oh well we just cut that shit out but so we'll leave it there no nah, man it makes sense it's like to put it i guess just like in layman's terms it's like we gotta talk about the shit we got to talk about the shit. We got to put it out there, you know, and that's the only way that, you know, political leaders and then also just like these institutions of power, whether it's like universities or your employer or whoever, not being able to use this shit against you, you know, because it's crazy. Like what y'all were talking about in the beginning in terms of normalizing and just in terms of like being progressive is like New York, you don't you don't get to drug test people, you know, not for cannabis. Versus in LA or California where that shit is legal, you can still get drug tested, you know, which makes no fucking sense. So it's really just about like thinking about these things in a way that actually like keeps in mind the fact that people use it and doesn't like perpetuate un unnecessary stigma, you know, unnecessary limitations on people. No, it is. It's also that smell, bro. Yo, a, no. tell us, tell us about it, bro. <laughs> oh, it's the smell, bro. It's the loud. It's the loud. That's what it is. Hold up. I got to tell the story, yo. I got to tell the story. <laughs> so one time I had like a whole ass pack on me at work. And this when we worked together, True. I had a whole ass pack on me just sitting in the office. The whole front of the office is just smelling, you know, just loud as fuck. Everybody's like, yo, do you smell that? Do you smell it? I'm just like, I don't know what the fuck y'all talking about. Like, y'all bugging, bro. Like, <laughs> well, that's always the go to line when it comes out. You smell that? Hello. No. <laughs> I always wonder, like, what y'all expect me to say? Of course, I smell so that we can all go on a wild goose hunt that leads right to my bag. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll be looking over like I just don't know where it is. Hey, next hour. Hey, and like the way the office was set up, I'm like the first person people see when they walk in. It's like boom, you walk in and it's my black ass. You gotta sit here with a straight face <laughs> all day. <laughs> oh man! 
So, yo, you're right, yo. And that's the same shit my grandma say. And she still don't fuck with it. She love Obama, don't fuck with the weed. So, this nigga's preaching. <laughs> preaching facts. It's that damn smell, bro. Hey, somebody come out with some weed that smell like actual incense when that shit goes That's going to be the game changer, bro. Come up with like a, a pre-roll pack that you could just smoke and you just smell like incense after. Hey, yo, smell neutral marijuana. I know one of y'all geneticists out there are already working on it. But, like, if y'all do that, that's the T. That is, that's the T. That's the key. That's the whole damn thing right there, man. Yeah, that's smell this marijuana. You looking at billions, bro. (laughs) We got to patent that shit. We got to patent the name because that's that's a loud burn exclusive right here. That's that's what it's going to take to normalize cannabis. (laughs) <laughs> so, actually, I want to say that's probably the, the entire synthesis of this episode. We talked about all that just to get to this point. <laughs> all right. We said we were here to give you all the gold. That's it. All right. We're getting off now. <laughs> now you can tell we definitely got the giggle. So we're definitely coming down now. Before we leave y'all, we, we won't play another game, yo. So we're back playing Blunts and Bongs again, you know, for this week's come down. And this time, it's going to be me and Vic hitting truth. Typically, that's what I have anyway. People just roll for me, bro. I, I don't like rolling a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. I really don't. Rolling is an art form, my brother. But I understand. Some of us... Are- I, I hear that. <laughs> I hear that. Wait, 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 wait. Question. Would you like, rather have your own personal weed roller or... My shorty. Would you have free weed for the rest of your life? Free weed. I still got the weed roller. Got you? No, I don't mean like weed roller. Like oh, like the, the raw weed roller. roller. I mean like weed roller, like Wiz Khalifa. Oh. Uh, <laughs> nah. <laughs> yo, that was more or less the safest answer I've ever seen. Yo, that was a good one. All right. Would you rather? Travel anywhere you want, but you can't have weed with you, or be able to smash any shorty that you want. What? And you could still, you know, smoke or whatever. I can't travel. I could travel wherever I want. You could travel wherever you want, but you can't smoke when you get there. Or you could stay in New York, but you could have sex with whoever you want. And you know, just smoke regular, like whatever you do regularly. I gotta choose a travel joint. You know what it is? I like, I think of myself as a very confident person, bro. Real shit. Like, I'm, I'm like, I don't think of shorties in a way like they not obtainable. I don't care who you are. If the vibe is right, we in the same vicinity, like we clicking, we can make it happen. But at the same time, I feel like if I'm able to make those opportunities happen of traveling wherever I want, they're going to become within my circle. I ain't going to hold you. Would you rather have red eyes every time you smoke or guaranteed smell like Zaza every time you smoke? Guaranteed Zaza. Guaranteed. 
So wait, 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 wait. We just talked about the smell <laughs> less than five minutes ago. You tell me you gonna take that smell? God damn. You see, I, 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 that shit done went out the window. God damn it. <laughs> I, I, hey, I got. I'm gonna do it outside. Or something, you know. Oh, you just gonna have to quit your job and become the normalization mascot for some organization because that's probably the only place that you gonna they gonna let you through the door. Like, I love the smell of weed. I really do. But I also know that not everybody loves the smell of weed, and I understand. <laughs> like, I understand. If smoking, if you had two choices, imagine, like, the red pill, the blue pill, and the matrix. Yes. Smoke one strain, and you get higher than you've ever been before, but you lose your sight. Ooh, ooh. Oh, this is the question now. You got me now. On this strain? You get higher than you ever did before, but you lose your sense of hearing. Which strain do you smoke? And it's only for like the time you're high. It's not like you're gonna lose your hearing. Because oh, oh. otherwise oh. you would just be like, fuck, I'm not. You got that, damn. <laughs> Wait, so is I can either I go deaf or I go what? You're gonna be high as fuck, but you're either gonna be deaf or blind <laughs> while you high as fuck. And then when you come down, you're gonna be fine. I do blind. <laughs> like, think about the shit you do when you high. You feel me? You high, you in the park, chilling, or you know, you watching. You're like, man, what the fuck out of you see out here, man? Ain't nothing that damn it. Read a book. You're like, I'm going to just be high. I'm going to stay here. Yo, you know, out of all the, the superheroes that be like inspiring me, Daredevil man, that nigga be oh shit, that nigga blind. <laughs> this nigga gonna be high Daredevil. Yo, this is gonna we need to put his hand to it right. <laughs> Yo, the funny shit is because Daredevil had the red eyes, but this right. nigga eyes gonna be because <laughs> he right, 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 right. But you're not gonna have no red eyes. Smell loud as climbing on walls. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know, man. Cause, I, but I, I do really, really, really like. I don't know. Like, sight is such a beautiful thing, too. You know, but like, you know, I always do. For some reason, um, just really respect people who are uh, who who just seriously just going through certain physical challenges, bro. They got a certain place around. Hundred percent. You know, shout yeah. out to everybody. You know. Mm-hmm. Accessing life in different ways. One thousand. All right. This is my final one, true. All right. This go this goes into your into your dad bag. All right. So your kids are teenagers now. Would you rather find out that they went to a party and got super drunk? Right? I mean like sloppy drunk. Or that they went to a party. And ended up having like two or three super edibles, not realizing that they were edible. Now they're super high. Which now, one would I? Matter of fact, I'm gonna edit that. They totally knew that they were edibles, and now they're super high. <laughs> the first part of the story they told you, and then they was like, was right. like "Are you lying?" <laughs> like. Wait, hold on. I'm lost, nigga. Goddamn. So, like, basically, they went to a party and one of two options. 
Mm-hmm. Either they get super drunk, okay. right? You know, or super, or super drunk, high. They get super high. I mean, like super oh, high, stuck, yeah. stuck levels of high, like virgin lungs. Yeah, you know, you know what it is. Again, like, all right, listen, my kids is such like they're my my most sacred thing I have. Amen. Have, bro. So it's very personal to me. So that's why it's like <sighs> nothing can ever touch them. <laughs> is how I feel, but at the same time, I understand life, and it's like, yeah, it could happen, and I know it will. Like, it happened to me. God damn it! <laughs> That's why it's a question, bro. <laughs> but, but, um, that drunk shit is just so trash, though. So that I'll probably say, I gotta say hi. I gotta I probably gotta say hi. Word. You know what I really find funny though is that when you end up thinking about what alcohol actually does to you what that sloppy drunkness does like how vulnerable you really are when you're drunk Yo, man i have i have um, a baby girl too so man oh I my god bro so, mm. and it's crazy when we talk about the need that is actually illustrative i didn't even plan that out but that was illustrative when you really think about why we need to be able to normalize cannabis because even if you do have kids who you've been protecting this entire time, once they're finally able to experiment and every kid experiments, you know, I would rather prefer them have op- the access to the safer option than them getting involved with alcohol, which is actually like physically addictive and way more damaging on, on use if you end up overusing, you know? And when it ends up coming down to like brain damage and other things, like yes, guaranteed. We know that cannabis isn't supposed to be smoked by by minors. But like at the end of the day, I know that if you drink every single day, even if you're pregnant, you won't come out a little funny. <laughs> you know, like that's just how it goes. So between the two, I hope that it doesn't happen. I hope that situation never occurs. I can completely understand your kids are, are sacred, perfect angels, and they will never imbibe any substance before they're supposed to. With that being said, I completely appreciate the logic, though, of choosing cannabis first. You heard it here, motherfucker. <laughs> cannabis <laughs> first, all day. Mary Jane, amen. All right. <laughs> Questions done. <laughs> I have one last question. One last question, and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up? Would you rather hit the same person every night or... You can never hit the same person twice in a row. But no, why are you watching? Like- <laughs> no, 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 this is a good one. This is a good one. We say it again. So, you, would you rather hit the same person every night, or you're hitting a different person every night, but you can never hit the same person twice in a row? Does that mean he gets to alternate? Exactly. You can hit whoever you want, but just never the same person twice. Dang. <laughs> or the same the the person you know of your yeah, yeah, I know because that's what I, I would pro- mm. the, the one thing is like is there a time limit on this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking this guy it's like uh, you know don't be mad I made him choose <laughs> No, we told you it was going to be a little bit more savage because you said bring it on. So I was like, I bet Birdman hand rub all day. <laughs> like, oh, man. Hey, 
I'm I might have to. Oh, <laughs> am I a savage? No, I'm not, y'all. Yes, I am. This is after COVID, y'all. You had like you I, got I got, you? nah, nah, nah. I'm saying if it's all right, cool. This is this is all right, nah. Real talk. If it's I'm with wifey, right? Then we're most certainly, most certainly, we riding that out. You know, but if I'm not, I just feel uncomfortable with the bouncing with mad shorties, you know. But at the same time, <laughs> so let's take any, any type of STD, STI situation. Yeah, yo, I was just thinking <laughs> that. Yo, Sans, no, 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 no funny business. Let's take that off the table, you know. No, no unforeseeable. Uh, Consequences. consequences. There oh, unintended consequences, right. yo. You ain't even got that crutch. Right. You super plated, yo. Titanium. I'm, right. <laughs> I want I want to know what you what you want, bro. This is about what you want. Speak the truth. Give us the true truth. <laughs> Give us the true truth. Nah, man. I, I might have to be a savage on that one. I'm sorry. Bro. All the world. When you said I might just have to be a savage, I just envisioned Cameron spitting on the girl in killer season. <laughs> like, it was savage. definitely like a quarter but, but, in the bras going, <laughs> like, I, 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 I gotta do that for like for the a year. I gotta do that. And then you know, hang it up. You're gonna be so that's gonna be Jordan rocking the four five year. That's what you're talking about. <laughs> 94, 95. Yo, it's all good, man. Nah, man. But but real talk, I, I believe in monogamy, bro. And that's why like that that question irks me so much because I I battle this. I battle this, like the whole thought of polygamy and stuff. But I don't know, man. That's I a, mean, you can believe a, in monogamy and still fuck around. <laughs> <laughs> While you're in between monogamous relationships, ain't no one saying that if you fuck around, you're no longer monogamous. Yeah, yeah yo, like if you don't, what you don't know, don't hurt. <laughs> nah, I, I thought you were saying when you were single. I guess you know different strokes for different folks. You know, I'm I'm part of Black Men Don't Cheat. I'm part of that crew. There we go. There we go. Oh, I actually oh. never have cheated ever. I do my thing. Use that hashtag, y'all. I just feel like <laughs> oh, I, I, I have to say it. Don't at me. Don't at me. My special sisters are getting ready to come down and be like, "Yo, did he really say that?" Like, I don't, of, I don't actually know him. We just <laughs> we, we we get on the mic and we talk a little bit. Speaking <laughs> of problematic shit that uh-huh. we said, you know, on the uh-huh. we're also looking for you know a good sis to join us. You know, we're actively recruiting a good sis. So slot in the DMs, respectively, at the Loud Burn Podcast. You know, hit us up. Let us know why you think you'd be a good fit to the team. You know, and we'll get back at you. So, yeah, definitely actively recruiting a, a good sis to join the to join the crew. Absolutely, absolutely. The perspective is so important. Thank you all for listening to us tonight. We have had, I believe this was the fifth episode. So we'll be back with you all next week. Till then, I want everyone to burn loud and burn bright.